Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. This summer we've been going through this sermon series, Summer in the Cities, where we're looking at how Paul and his companions travel to different cities and the interactions that they have there. And last week I issued a challenge to the congregation here called the Sosthenes Challenge from Acts chapter 18. There's a character there named Sosthenes in a story in Corinth who gets beaten, and they don't really explain why he's the one who was beaten. And I asked you all to email me your best guesses, and I said that I would read the best one or announce the best one here in service this week. So I'm doing that now, and I want to say I got a lot of responses, and people came up with some good stuff. Um, the, the general theme that most people had for this was the twofold. One, that Sosthenes was beaten because he wasn't able to get the charges to stick against Paul. That he was a synagogue leader and he was the one who riled up the crowd against Paul. But when they went to the Roman official Gallio, Gallio didn't want to have the charges stick. So they beat Sosthenes for creating this big stir and not being able to follow through. And that does seem viable to me. But Gary and Alice Smith emailed me something that I had overlooked. And then somebody else, I think it was Michael Tony, emailed me this last night also. I thought this was amazing to me. If you go back and you read 1 Corinthians 1.1, Paul says to the church in Corinth, to the saints in Corinth, from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes. So this character from Acts that just gets mentioned this one time where he's beaten, apparently becomes a traveling companion with Paul and is also writing these letters that Paul is. Now, maybe it's a different Sosthenes. I don't know how common of a name it was back then. I think it's a great name that many of us should try for our kids these days. But it, the possibility there of just this person who's beaten in this story, but then eventually starts following Paul. Maybe he starts following Paul because everybody else beat him and he had nowhere else to go. I don't know. But it's just this layer of depth to the scriptures that I found to be powerful. So thank you all for doing that. Um, and like I said, if it's a contest, Gary and Alice won. So congratulations to them, too. It's not a contest, though. Um, but yeah, so we are continuing that sermon series. And we're moving into Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. And Acts takes us to the city of Tyre. So hear the word of God as I read the scriptures. When we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. When we found a ship bound for Phoenicia, we went on board and set sail. We came inside of Cyprus, and leaving it on our left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, because the ship was to unload its cargo there. We looked up the disciples and stayed there for seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and proceeded on our journey. And all of them, with wives and children, escorted us outside the city. There we knelt down on the beach and prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, you have gathered all of us here now, this morning, so that we can hear your words, so we can lift our voices up to you, so that we can be sustained and nourished, but all for the purpose, Lord, of being your church here in Simi Valley, 
of being your church so that through us, people can see clearly your character, can understand clearly the hope in your resurrection, and can share in the hope we have in you, Lord, the hope of Jesus Christ. So teach us now. Sustain us through your word now. Help us to understand how we be the church, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, we come to the city of Tyre this week. And Tyre is a city that is still in the world today in Lebanon. And it is an ancient, ancient city. A lot of the cities that I've talked about through the sermon series, they have ups and downs and they have time periods where nobody's living there, maybe for a hundred years, hundreds of years sometimes. And then somebody else comes and refounds the city. But with Tyre, it's known as one of the cities that has had human beings living there most consistently. Of all the cities in the world, it has had people living there longer and more consistently than most any other city. So it has this ancient, rich history, and it actually shows up in the Bible numerous times. It shows up in the book of Joshua, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Isaiah, Joel, Ezekiel, Amos, Psalms, Zechariah, Matthew, Acts, and then it's alluded to in Revelation. One of the reasons that I've been bringing up these different cities and telling us all some historical facts about them is to remind each and every one of us that this isn't just a fantasy story. The book of Acts takes place in the world that we inhabit now. Yes, it was from the past, and the cities have changed, and they've grown, and they've developed, but you can still go there, see these sites, see these cities. These are places with actual climates that you can imagine what it would be like. For instance, with Tyre, it has what's called a hot summer Mediterranean climate. It has six months of drought from about May to October. I don't think it's too hard for us to imagine the climate in Tyre because it's basically the climate that we live in now. So you can imagine when Paul arrives, it would smell the way our town here smells. It would feel the way our town here feels. These are actual cities that exist in this world, and these stories really took place, and they happened. So when Paul arrives there in Tyre, in this city, it would have been during one of the periods where it was doing well. Most of these cities, when Paul is traveling, are actually doing pretty well because the Roman Empire is at a stable point. So Tyre would have been a thriving metropolis. It would have been a cargo place, a dock for goods. As you can see, they says that the ship is unloading their cargo there in Tyre. It would have been a trading post. So Paul and his companions, they're there really by happenstance. It's just where the ship is going to dock. But they stay there for seven days. They look up the Christians who are there living. They stay there for seven days. And this story might not seem consequential. But I think it really is. Because the only thing that happens here in Tyre is a disagreement. Paul and his companions disagree with the Christians in Tyre. And you may not have picked up on it, but the Christians in Tyre are telling Paul, do not go to Jerusalem. Paul eventually goes to Jerusalem. The writer of Acts says, we left and we proceeded on our journey. The journey is to Jerusalem. So the Christians in Tyre, they stop Paul 
and they tell him, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul says, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm still going to go to Jerusalem. It might sound like a minor disagreement, but the Christians entire actually were told, tell Paul in the spirit to not go to Jerusalem. And the writer of Acts doesn't say they erroneously told Paul in the Spirit. He doesn't say they mistakenly told Paul in the Spirit. It says that in the Spirit they told Paul, do not go to Jerusalem. They invoke the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes to Jerusalem anyway. This is a disagreement. And it might sound like a minor disagreement, but it isn't. What's at stake here is Paul's life. As the story continues, another person at the next stop they go to invokes the Holy Spirit and tells Paul not to go to Jerusalem because he's going to be bound. He's going to be handed over to the Roman authorities. Paul going to Jerusalem is what will eventually cost him his life because all of this stuff happens. He is bound. He's handed over to the Roman authorities. He makes his way to Rome, and eventually, from tradition we know, not the book of Acts or the Bible, but from tradition we know, Paul dies there. He gives his life for the faith. So the Christians entire, I think at one level, they don't want Paul, this leader that they have heard about, that they have known now, to go and to die. So in the spirit, they tell him, don't go to Jerusalem. But I think they also have to be worried about the fact that this key leader is going to die. Paul was the preeminent missionary. He was the leader of the church going and building it up. If they cared about the church, they don't want Paul to die. It's not a minor disagreement here. And yet, it's a very real disagreement. And the thing with disagreement is, I think it's easy to talk about disagreements when we say things like I've said over and over again that we need to find ways to compromise, that we need to figure out how to come together. But sometimes the disagreement is just going to stand. If you notice in this story, we don't get any dialogue or back and forth of Paul convincing them that they're wrong, that he needs to go there. That's not the point of this story. The point is that they say in the spirit, don't go to Jerusalem, and Paul still goes. The disagreement remains unresolved. Sometimes I think we get this picture of church and and Christians where It's perfect church. Church is supposed to be perfect, and we're all going to agree. If you go back and you look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, you can get this picture of perfect church. The beginning of Acts talks about the Christians all sharing everything that they have. Nobody has need. Everybody is cared for. Everything is harmonious. Acts chapter 2 and 4, sure, that's the picture we get. But from Acts chapter 5 on, we don't get perfect church anymore. We get actual church. We get a church that is messy, where there's all sorts of disagreements, where they have to have these big councils, where they're searching out how to move forward together. The rest of the story of Acts really is about various disagreements that the church has and how they work to resolve those, and sometimes those disagreements aren't actually resolved. That's actual church. That's the church we live in today as well. As I've said throughout this series, church is messy. Christians are messy. We're not called to be perfect, and we're not going to agree on everything. In fact, 
there's a good chance that we're not going to agree on a majority of things. And I can guarantee you right now, there are people in this room who disagree with you about very important things. I probably disagree with you about something that's important. Actual church, the real church, the human church that God pulls together, it consists of human beings. And we're going to disagree. And sometimes we will be able to resolve that and work through that. And sometimes the disagreements are just going to stand. For many of us, I think that can make us uncomfortable. Disagreement, I don't know if people enjoy it. Sometimes people are okay with it. They can tolerate it. But I think a lot of times we ask the question, is disagreement bad? That's a question that comes up here. Or it's one that we should be asking too. Disagreement might make you uncomfortable. It might unnerve you, but is it actually bad? I don't think it has to be in and of itself. I think it's important for us to recognize that. Disagreement doesn't have to be bad, and it can't always be bad because it is inevitable. Like I said, you get enough human beings together, they are going to disagree at some point on something that is important. So disagreement in and of itself it doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to lead to bad things. But far too often, particularly in our culture today, disagreement leads to division. It leads to separation. It leads to the ending of relationship. And when it does that, then yes, I think it is bad. But I think a question that is more pertinent to us is, can disagreement move us forward? And sometimes it has to. Like I've been saying over and over again here, it is inevitable. We are going to disagree. And sometimes if we handle it correctly, if we handle it appropriately, it can actually move us forward, both in our individual lives and as a church community with the mission God has given us of letting other people have hope in Jesus as well, sharing that hope that we have. Disagreements can actually move us forward. But there's one condition that I see. We have to have humility in the midst of disagreements. And sadly, I don't think the church and Christians today are known for our humility. I mean, imagine that this takes place, this disagreement with Paul and the Christians entire. Imagine that takes place in today's world with our church, with the way that we resolve disputes today. My guess is the way this would play out is the Christians entire tell Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Paul says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem anyway. And they say, no, in the spirit, we say, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul says, well, I'm discerning the spirit a little differently, and I think I should go to Jerusalem. And then the Christians entire would say, if this happened today, well, you're not really the church then, Paul, because we have the spirit, and we told you in the spirit not to go to Jerusalem. And then Paul would say, well, no, you don't have the spirit. I know I need to go to Jerusalem. And then they would say, Paul, we're not going to give you any more money for your mission. And then Paul would say, fine, I'm not going to send any money your way. And then they would say, Paul, you need to leave Tyre. And he goes, I'm not going to leave Tyre. I'm going to find another church in Tyre. And he goes and gets some other converts. And then across the street, they set up a new church called the second church in Tyre. Probably Baptist church, let's be honest, right? <laughs> and then that whole generation would pass along. Their grandkids would come in. They would be in the church. And they would sit there and they would wonder, why in the world do we have First Church of Tyre and Second Church of Tyre across the street from each other? What happened here? 
at some point, we today have to stop handing future generations a fractured, divided church based on the disagreements that we have now. The problems that they have are going to be very different 100 years from now, 200 years from now, than the ones that we have today. And the point of the church isn't to be right. It's not to win an argument. It's to pass along the news of hope and resurrection so that future generations can also have this news. So at some point, disagreement has to move us forward. And if we actually have humility, it can move us forward in a deep and powerful way. The most powerful image in this whole story to me is towards the end of it, where as they leave, the Christians in Tyre are sending Paul along on his journey. And they don't say anything like, Paul, you're wrong. Paul, you shouldn't be doing this. Instead, what do they do? They bring their entire families down there, the entire church. They go to a beach, and they all kneel together and pray. That's a picture of humility. They don't agree about what Paul should do next. Paul has made his decision, though. They don't get to control Paul. They don't get to decide for him. So what do they do? They kneel and they pray with him that God's will be done. I'm assuming that's what they prayed. We don't get the content of the prayer, but you can imagine. The thing is, not one of us has the Holy Spirit figured out. Not one of us has God's purposes or intentions figured out. We all have an incomplete picture here. And what I imagine is that in this disagreement with Paul and the Christians at Tyre, they have the best of intentions. And the Holy Spirit likely revealed to them some things that are true. The fact is, they're not wrong. Paul is going to go to Jerusalem. He is going to be handed over to the Roman authorities, and it is going to lead to his death. So they're not wrong to that point. But Paul has a different picture of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Paul will say in the story that happens after this that he's prepared for whatever may come. The Christians entire, they weren't wrong, but they didn't have a complete picture. So they humbly accepted that. They listened to Paul and they prayed for him along the way. That, I think, is the picture of truth. Not, uh, not, sorry, the picture of the church. None of us has a monopoly on the truth. None of us has the Holy Spirit figured out. But we come together and we offer what we do have humbly to one another. We share our perspective with each other. We dialogue with each other, knowing that we don't have to agree on everything and that sometimes the dialogue isn't going to lead to a resolution of a disagreement. But we still share our perspectives because through that, we're all made better. Because the Holy Spirit is at work in every single one of our lives. The Holy Spirit is at work through this world. And the point of being a Christian and following Jesus, it's not to be right. It's not to win a fight. It's to be in line with the work of the Holy Spirit and the work the Spirit is doing. And when we are humble and we listen to the Spirit and we listen to one another, it makes it easier for us to be in line with the work the Holy Spirit is doing. So this is a real disagreement that Paul and the Christians entire have. And they don't resolve it. But they kneel together, they pray in humility, and the church moves forward in the midst of that. May we be in line with the work of the Holy Spirit.
May we recognize that though disagreement may make us uncomfortable, the point of being a Christian isn't being comfortable. And that discomfort isn't always bad. Sometimes that's the way God is growing us, challenging us. And may we look at the disagreements amongst our community here and see the opportunities that the Holy Spirit has given us to move forward so that more people can hear about the news of Jesus' resurrection. May we lift that up as our cause, the one that God has given us. May we move forward in humility. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the witness of the Christians of Tyre and of Paul. We thank you that the writer of Acts decided to give us this story, Lord. There's no actual resolution to this disagreement. Paul and his companions still leave. They still proceed on their journey. But Lord, your Holy Spirit was at work. Though they didn't have a complete picture, Lord, your Holy Spirit was at work. Though we don't have a complete picture, Lord, your Holy Spirit is at work. Let us trust the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us not be afraid of disagreements. Let us not feel as though we can't disagree with people that we love and care for, Lord. But help us instead to see how those disagreements might move us forward in faith, move us forward in the mission you've given us.
Death could not hold you, the veil tore before. 